Welcome to Me and the Geek, a weekly geekly conversation with a different geek about their area of expertise and interest. This week on Me and the Geek, we're going to be discussing Daredevil. In 2003, Mark Stephen Johnson uh, was the director of an uh, adaptation of the Marvel comic Daredevil starring Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. Little did they know that years later, their work would be replaced and uh, completely wiped from our collective minds by Netflix and Charlie Cox as Marvel Studios is back in control of the character of Daredevil and all the ancillary characters, the villains and sidekicks and uh, all of the uh, compatriots that cross through Hell's Kitchen. And tomorrow, as a matter of fact, as you're listening to this on April... Tune into Haycar's new podcast series, The Road to a Simple Life. And join me, Vernon Kay, as I chat to McFly's Harry Judd, Ian Haste of Haste Kitchen, and Money Magpie's Jasmine Bertles about how they keep things simple across their family, food, and financial lives. The Road to a Simple Life is brought to you by Haycar, the new website for used cars that promise to make finding your perfect used car simpler than ever. Find us on all major podcast channels or head to haycar.com. Co.uk forward slash simple for all of the episodes. 10th, or if you uh, are downloading it right away anyway, it'll be tomorrow. If not, it's available now. Netflix's Daredevil from Marvel Studios connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's really a crazy time to be a geek. So I thought this would be an apropos moment for us to jump on the bandwagon and go back in time with Jamie Worley this week. He was on one of our pilot episodes as we discussed the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Spider-Man. And he's back again this week to talk about Daredevil. We first talk about the 2003 film starring Ben Affleck. Then we talk about uh, what happened with 20th Century Fox in between here and and there uh, for them to lose the rights to this character. Then we discuss specifically some of our hopes about the upcoming Netflix series. There are no spoilers for that series, so if you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. We've got another episode coming soon where I'm going to be reacting to those episodes on Netflix, but uh, don't worry right now, no spoilers except for a movie that's, well, about 12 or 13 years old now. So, without further ado, this week's episode of Me and the Geek. Joining us this week on Me and the Geek, it is Jamie Worley. You heard him in one of our pilot episodes as we discussed Spider-Man's return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I thought he'd be the perfect co-host for uh, today's episode as we're discussing Daredevil, specifically the Ben Affleck movie, and our hopes and aspirations for the upcoming Netflix series, which, uh, depending upon when you're listening to this, is either either about to premiere tomorrow or it might already be out. So go check out Netflix uh, after you hear this. We want to get you excited about it first. Jamie, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, man. So listen, back before the Daredevil movie was released starring Ben Affleck, what was your affiliation? What was your background with the character of Daredevil? You know, a little bit of uh, crossover stuff in the comics I'd read. You know, he might have shown up on uh, the old Spider-Man cartoon once or twice, but I had a good general knowledge of the character Matt Murdock, blind lawyer in Hell's Kitchen who fights crime in his neighborhood. 
at night. Almost like Marvel's version of a small-time Batman. And that's about all I really knew about him. Sort of the poor man's Batman. I, do you remember the, the made-for-TV movie Bill Bixby as the, the Incredible Hulk and, and uh, David Banner, uh, not Bruce Banner, but made-for-TV movie? They did one with Thor, and then they did one with Daredevil and the Kingpin as well. The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, I think, was the name of it. Did you ever see that? I may have seen it. It it definitely rings a bell and I'm aware that it existed, but I don't have any real memories of it. Well, that's, it was, it was sort of like (laughs) very important to me as a kid. I had it, you know, I had like recorded it with my VHS uh, player or whatever. And I, I loved it. I watched it all the time. And the character of Daredevil after that was one that I sort of tried to pick up on. I read several like collected editions and things like that. And then as I got back into comics in my, you know, late teens, I started going back and reading some of the Frank Miller stuff. And leading up to this movie, especially, I went and and read the early Frank Miller runs, or most of them, as much as I could get my hands on at the time. It was not quite as easy as far as the digital availability uh, like it is today. But so leading up to this movie, were you excited to see it? What did you think about Ben Affleck and the role in particular? I was a Ben Affleck fan. I always have been. He gets a lot of hate and I've never really understood it. I think he's a, a fine actor and he's actually a pretty good writer too and now i mean you know we've seen argo and everything so you know obviously his his talent is proven so i'm not sure why he gets so much hate but i was fine with it uh and like i said i wasn't i didn't have any preconceived notions of the character you know beyond just a little bit that i knew going into the movie so i was ready to see what they were going to do let's talk about some of the because you and i have both watched this again recently right you you did you go back and watch it i literally watched it again last night for the first time in probably 10 years i love it i love it now do you know which version you watched was it the theatrical or the director's cut i tried to find the theatrical i mean the director's cut like i I looked for it everywhere. I found it on iTunes for fourteen ninety nine, and I just didn't want to invest in it. You're like, I can't pull the trigger. Yeah, uh, but I, I watched the my DVD that I bought back when it first came out because I was a fan of it when it first came out. But I watched the theatrical. Cut. Now, have you seen the director's cut? I have not. I, I never saw it. I know that there's a nice Coolio. Uh, yeah, there's a, a whole storyline added, and we'll talk about some of that as as we go through this discussion. But but I, after you and I record this uh, interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can't send you a copy of the director's cut and let you see it because I got You now you'll have to wait some time. Nobody wants to watch that much Daredevil uh, that close together, but you should check it out sometime. It is a I think a much more balanced film overall, but a lot of the problems that I had with the theatrical cut, especially in retrospect on second and third viewings and things, I still have those same problems with the director's cut. It doesn't, it doesn't patch all the holes. So let's get to that. Let's get to the things that they did right. And let's talk about the things that they did wrong or the things that we would have liked for them to have done differently at least. And then let's talk about the near past of Daredevil, some of the misses that Fox had after this movie was made. And then let's talk about what's about to happen with Netflix too. But first off, Tell me a couple of your, right off the top of your heads, what were your favorite things about this movie? Because it does do a lot of good things. As you said, you loved it at the time. Uh, Yeah, you know, going back to it and watching it, I don't know how much I love it now. (laughs) Um, And that's not, I mean, it was very much a movie of the time. It's hard to judge it now based on everything that we've seen since then. It was fine. Uh, The things that I liked about it, Jon Favreau... (laughs) 
as uh, Foggy Nelson, a nice supporting character. I just I love John Favreau anyway. It's nice to have him again as Happy Hogan. He he always gets stuck as a superhero's kind of like sidekick guy in the real world. I, I thought he was great. I loved Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin and what he did with that character. I didn't have a problem with the race bending at the time. He's traditionally a white character in the comics. That doesn't make any difference to what the character is the the race of it so you know he could be a black guy he could be a white guy he could be a asian guy it doesn't matter he's the kingpin of crime and he did a great job of just that cockiness and that personality of that he could get away with anything thought he really nailed it well you know of course the 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 more recent similar story is the story of nick fury which when they started the ultimate line of comics uh, you know, they're crafting all of these characters and basing them sort of loosely uh, and, and some of them less loosely than others on actual movie stars. Sam Jackson, the prototype for their Nick Fury character, eventually cast as the character on screen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But here, I think it was a great example of, OK, the original story of Daredevil and Kingpin would not have made a whole lot of sense if Kingpin was black because of the timeline, probably. uh, A black man wouldn't have risen to that level of prominence as they were displaying Wilson Fisk, perhaps, in the 60s and the 70s. But we're not talking about the 60s and 70s now. We're talking about characters that came up in the 80s and the 90s. And and that character, the guy that we see played as uh, Michael Clark Duncan does as Wilson Fisk, it makes perfect sense for him to rise through the ranks as an enforcer and then to consolidate power himself. I thought he he does a little bit of scenery chewing here, but you're right. He's one of the bright spots of this. I thought it was a great casting decision at the time, and it's one of the few things in the movie that holds up over time, especially now that he's passed. Right. Speaking of scenery chewing, Colin Farrell has bullseye. Oh, man. Oh, I got to... I, this was one at the time, and see, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and jump ahead to one of my, my, my downsides, but, but at the time, I thought this was a casting coup. I thought it was a great idea... I loved the Irish accent. I loved what he brought as far as his off-screen persona to the character. I thought all of that fit perfectly. In retrospect, though, I sort of hate it because I love that Bullseye has become, in a lot of ways, Daredevil's version of the Joker. It's not exactly the same relationship, but in the comics especially and in some of the more recent runs, Bullseye is this almost elemental feeling foil, you know, there will always be a daredevil. There will always be a bullseye, maybe even more so than the kingpin. And I feel like all of that is completely blown away. And all he is, is the sort of one note joke. Having said that, I chuckled quite often at some of his antics. So I guess he's okay. I have to say at the time I loved, I loved it. Like I thought he was great. I I liked the character. I didn't know anything about the character. But, uh, you know, to reiterate what you said, after reading more comics in my adult life and getting more familiar with the character of Bullseye, I think it was a little bit of a, you know, a short step for that character. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, something different being done with him in the MCU, for sure. We got to wait for season two, I think, uh, yeah. of the Netflix series there. But I don't, I don't mind waiting. I'm, I'm glad that they're playing a long game with those characters. I think there's a lot of story to tell. But let's get back to the Ben Affleck version. Uh, other than Michael Clark Duncan, what were some of the things that that uh, still hold up for you a little bit? It's hard to say because not not much. The soundtrack did not hold up. <laughs> oh man, so much Evanescence, so much Evanescence. Well, 
And, you know, I had a little bit of a problem. See, I'm jumping into problems already. Maybe you should say some of the things you like because I have way more stuff I dislike. Let's, let's do that. I will stay on the positive for a second here. I like a lot of the things that, that Ben Affleck is doing in this role in particular. If you go back now, we sort of know the backstory. This was that lull in time when it seemed like it might be forever before we get another Batman movie. Ben Affleck wanted to be Batman as a young man. He's gotten that chance now. At the time, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be Batman. There were a bunch of crappy Batman movies made, and it looked like that franchise was dead until Christopher Nolan relaunched it. But that all came later. In the in the middle time, 20th Century Fox comes to him and says, Ben Affleck, would you like to be Daredevil? And he gets to be, as we said, sort of the poor man's Batman. And I can understand why I jumped at the opportunity. I also understand why a lot of stars are, are hesitant to take on these sorts of roles and jump into these franchises. But it was obvious that he loved comics, loved this story in particular, and he brought a lot of that passion to it. He sort of shines through anyway, and you can see through to the heart of Matt Murdock. You see that he really does love this city. You see that he's sort of a tortured soul and and you understand why somebody might, you know, look up to this figure and you understand why he goes out there every night. I think it all makes sense. Like the character himself and the way that he he's portrayed. I think that's a big bright spot for the for the movie. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I don't think that he did a bad job. Uh I feel like it was a little too uh too stuffed. You know, there's just too much stuff in one movie, uh, which is a problem for a lot of comic book movies, to be completely honest. Uh, I thought he did a good job of portraying the character. Uh, I, I have a little bit of a problem, you know, with the the contacts and exactly how he played the the look of being blind. But I mean, that's just a choice that he made that I just it, it just kind of took me out of it. Well, and you never know how much of that was makeup and, and you know, uh, costume design versus an actual acting choice. Or even some right, of that might have been too. post-production effects. Let's move over to his uh, his better half. Let's talk a little bit about Elektra here. I, I guess we could start, if we want to, talk a little tabloid. It occurs to me as I'm watching this movie now, so many years afterwards... This was sort of a Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing, wasn't it? They were both involved, both involved with other people at the time. Yeah, him is super publicly. Him and J-Lo's relationship, Jennifer Lopez, you know, that was a very, very public relationship. That was, at, that was right before this, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm thinking, yeah, Gigli, Gigli must have come out after this, right? But it was probably filmed either before or like during the post-production part of this yeah. process? I mean, Geely, Jersey Girl, and this movie all came out within a year. Yeah. 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 Because as a matter of fact, he had to, Kevin Smith, I remember hearing at the time, Kevin Smith had to move Jersey Girl, the filming of Jersey Girl to accommodate Daredevil because okay. of the, the time frame. So yeah, you know, you're right. They all came out within a year of each other. So this relationship was super public in two separate movies jersey girl and Gigli, these these people are on screen as a couple they're in every newspaper they're on every, you know entertainment tonight they're on all of South those parks making fun of them yeah absolutely they are the couple in hollywood and it turns out they make two not great movies back to back now i'll argue there's a lot of good in jersey girl but that the idea of tying to that relationship does not hold up over the test of time. So you got all of that going into this movie as well. 
And then here, uh, these two wonderful people find each other. I, I like both of them. I like Jennifer Garner a lot. I like Ben Affleck a lot. I'm happy that they're happy together now, many years hence. But it does seem a little weird because it didn't seem to be a thing at the time. I don't know. It didn't It didn't occur to me at the time that these two ended up together immediately following this movie. But that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's weird. So what did you, what did you think of her in the role? Not not too big a fan. I mean, I like her, I, you know, and but I just she doesn't come off as uh, or are they supposed to be Greek, right? Yeah, as she doesn't come off as anything. That's the like, yeah. And I, I mean, think she that's, comes off as Jennifer Garner in contacts. <laughs> yeah the the biggest part the biggest problem I think with her character comes from the script itself and not her portrayal. I they don't they they take this middle ground she's not exactly an assassin she's not connected to the hand you know stick doesn't exist in this universe in any way that we know about uh, or or in any way that matters anyway to either of these characters and yet they also want her to be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound and whatnot you know so like they they try to have their cake and eat it too and i guess that's true of daredevil but at least they give him the courtesy of explaining in whatever ridiculous way they do it, oh, well, I've got super balance and I've got, you know, super strength and I've got this all because of my heightened sense of touch. Well, in his sense of sound. Yeah, but at least they have like a, you know, it's a 30-second explanation for why he's flipping uh, up and down buildings and skyscrapers and stuff. No explanation for why he can jump off of a building and, and land survive. on his feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a it's a comic book movie. I, I'll forgive him a little bit. In general, I, I agree with you. She comes to this role and she's like the girl next door that just happens to have, you know, size and uh, a lot of martial arts training. Right. You know, and we're, we're just because her dad's rich, I guess, is why she was trained in martial arts. I mean, there's just no explanation whatsoever. The one other character that I think uh, bears mentioning here is Ben Urich, the newspaper reporter that's sort of the foil on will he or won't he reveal the identity of Daredevil in the comics a lot of times, played here by Joey Pantoli P Pantoliono. Joey Pants. We're just going to call him Joey, Joey Pants. Pants. There yeah. you go. Joey Pants. Um, I loved him. Yeah, I mean, he's another one of those character actors that, you know, he, he pretty much always plays the same. He plays himself. I mean, let's just be honest. But he's great, and, and, and that's why he keeps getting work is because people love him and they love that smarmy, is he good, is he bad, do I like him, do I not like him type character. And, I mean, he, and he nails it. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, there's a scene where Joey uh, goes to visit the coroner's office, who is played by, the coroner is played by Kevin Smith, and the two of them discuss the baton that he's found. He's found uh, Daredevil's stick. I, I loved this scene, and I felt like, and I don't know that there's a scene exactly like this in one of the comics, but I feel like there is not just one, but probably many. It seems like the sort of way that this type of character ends up beginning to put the pieces together about Matt Murdock's identity. I feel like it's happened in other storylines, and I thought it was one of the best parts of this movie, one of the things that rang most true. The way that they both sort of marveled over the device and how cool it was, and then how the fact that it was also a cane, he was beginning to put two and two together. I've seen a stick like this. I know where this comes from. Oh, oh my goodness, I know who Daredevil is, but it's the blind guy. Who's going to believe me, you know? Right. For a guy who normally plays a silent character, you know, uh, Kevin Smith, he really you know, nailed that part. He's, he's pretty great when he speaks in his, any of his, his own movies as well. Like the, the character of that coroner was actually really funny 
and played well against Joey Pants. Yeah, I agree. That scene is one of the the more lighthearted and fun scenes of the entire movie. A, a very depressing and kind of tragic movie if you really get to thinking about it. A lot of death in this movie. Yeah, everybody dies. Or it feels that way anyway. Yeah, well, ex- except for Daredevil and Bullseye. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> really most people. Well, I guess the Kingpin doesn't die, but he's getting carted off to jail, so. If we're looking for positives, that's something that they got right. Neither, and, and at first I was like, oh, I forgot they killed Kingpin. But again, and maybe this isn't in the theatrical, in the director's cut, you see Kingpin at the very, uh, you see Bullseye, excuse me, at the very end, he ends up killing a fly while he's recuperating in like a, you know, a whole body cast in, in a hospital room that's being guarded by armed guards. Yeah, that is in the, thea- in the theatrical cut. You got Kingpin that survives too. So many movies, especially in this sort of the, the first and, and second generation of superhero films, they kill the villain off every single time. And I'm like, yeah, look, you, these, these, you lock them up. You lock them up to escape again. That's what they do in the comics, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's all. I mean, that's been a problem going back to, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman movie with the Joker. Keep these guys alive. You, you want them to do sequels, right? <laughs> Let's start summing this one up so we can move on to the future and, and better potential storylines for uh, this wonderful character and his um, his sidekicks and, and villains. What were, do you think, sort of the the other egregious reasons that this film doesn't hold up. Why didn't it, you know, it did get a, I started to say it didn't get a sequel. It did get a sequel technically in Elektra, but that movie was, it was rushed into production. It was rushed out onto screens and then it was rushed into the vault pretty quickly too, as this movie had already sort of fizzled out among the popular opinion and, and the critical acclaim that it didn't get. So I think people were already done with it before Electra was ever even released. But what did they do wrong? I mean, we've talked about some of those problems already, but where could they have, have turned the other way? One of the things that really kind of was a logic break for me was that Foggy was always talking about like, you know, oh, our clients are paying us with fish and, you know, golf clubs and all this stuff and we need money. Yet Matt's apartment was huge and very modern and he had a like sensory deprivation tank and all these custom leather outfits and weaponry how is he affording all this stuff if they're not getting paid for being lawyers yes yes and again it goes back to sort of the same problem with electra like they they wanted their cake and eat it too they're like oh we want it we want to make it batman but they didn't take the time to show how Matt Murdock could afford those things. There are ways around it. Maybe he's funneling drug money. You know, maybe he's laundering drug money that he takes from people that he beats up. There's nothing, I think that makes sense. I think probably Daredevil's done that in the past at different times in the comics. If you want to make him wealthy, if you want to make him have this empire to enact his justice, that's fine. That's a story choice. Back it up. And that's part of the the main problem with this movie is that you're supposed to just accept a lot of it at face value because it's a comic book, and they don't even really try. Yeah. How does he pay his medical bills? Right. You know, he's he's constantly getting beat up. Well, we'll talk about Night Nurse and Rosario Dawson in a minute. I yes. Guess. Yes. But but again, if you're if you're going to have a character that doesn't have superhuman powers, and you're going to show him losing a molar in the shower after a fight. You've got to show the support team that he has that can patch him up. Matt has to go to the hospital. Where is he getting these Vicodin prescriptions from? 
Right. <laughs> and why are they giving them? You're a blind lawyer. Why are you so beat up? Do you just fall down all the time? Yeah. So this came out in 2003 from 20th Century Fox, and they went a long time with doing nothing else with the character. It sat in uh, different levels of production. Different people tried to turn it around, rewrite the script, look at different ways to relaunch the character. And finally, it looked like for a long time that a guy by the name of Joe Carnahan, the director behind The Grey, The A-Team, he did NARC as well, he was planning a gritty reboot of uh, Daredevil that was also going to be a period piece. The idea was going to be that it was going to be set in like late 1970s New York, and he put out, after this had gone up in smoke, he put out a sizzle reel that was literally just a tone piece. He had taken certain moments from the this movie that we've been discussing, the Ben Affleck version, and then a bunch of other 70s crime films and things like that to get a, like a feel of what his movie would look like and feel like really got me excited. And I loved the idea of doing a period version of Daredevil, especially when it looked like Marvel reached out to Fox and was going to allow them to extend the rights to Daredevil but they wanted something in return. They wanted the rights to Galactus and Silver Surfer back. Yeah, I do remember that. And, uh, you know, part of me kind of wishes that would have happened for the implications for the MCU. But I'm also kind of glad that things fell through and that that movie didn't get made. Uh, even though I, I do agree setting it uh, in that time period when Hell's Kitchen was actually a problem. Because Hell's Kitchen is kind of a nice neighborhood these days. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have a link, by the way, to the YouTube uh, video for that sizzle reel. It'll be in our show notes on this episode, so you can check that out if you haven't seen it uh, and you're listening to this. But uh, after that fell through, because the fact of the matter is that Fox, 20th Century Fox, saw big potential in the Galactus storyline, I think. So they said no to Marvel's deal and let uh, Daredevil roll over, along with some other characters, by the way. The Punisher went back to Marvel. Ghost Rider went back to Marvel about this same time. And, and now that's put some interesting possibilities on the table for Marvel on Netflix. Marvel approached a bunch of different networks, actually, with the idea of doing not one, not two, not three, not four, but five TV series all at once, putting them all into development and production and running a total of, I think it's going to be about 60 hours of television or something like that. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then the final series will be The Defenders, as all of those characters and probably some others along the way join up in one big miniseries event. So let's talk a little bit about what we hope to see from Daredevil, which it may already be available on Netflix. So uh, you can go and check that out. 13 episodes available uh, in April of 2015 for the first season of Daredevil. The rest of the series are going to come uh, about six months to nine months apart, I think, after that uh, as they sort of roll out. What are you expecting out of this? Charlie Cox in the role. Uh, are you familiar with him from Boardwalk Empire? I have not watched Boardwalk Empire. I, I watched a couple of clips uh, when I found out that he was cast and I was, I was, I I said, okay, this is good. This works. Yeah, he's got a mean, lonely look to him, doesn't he? Yeah, and you know, but he's also a little bit unassuming, too. Like, he, I wouldn't necessarily look at him if I saw him with shades and a cane on, uh, walking down the street. I wouldn't give him a second look. I, you know, he's a little unassuming, and I like that. I agree. The casting that I've been most excited about, though, is not the good guy, it's the bad guy, man. I know. They brought in a heavyweight, both literally and figuratively, 
Vincent D'Onofrio to play the Kingpin. And of course, now we've seen trailers for his portrayal, not just the posters, which had gotten me pretty excited already. But yeah, we talked about uh, earlier in this episode how well we both thought that Michael Clark Duncan carried the role off. But if anybody is actually closer to the comic book look of this character, it might be Vincent D'Onofrio. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And, you know, it's one of those things where when they said, you know, it's going to be Daredevil, I said, okay, well, they're going to have a new kingpin. I started kind of racking my brain, like, TV-level actors, you know, maybe somebody bigger because a lot of people, I mean, Kevin Spacey's doing a Netflix show. You know, anybody is, it's not below anybody anymore. Who would really nail the role? And I was I was drawing a blank, man, and I never came up with anybody that satisfied me. And when I heard Vincent D'Onofrio, and I just Googled Vincent D'Onofrio bald and saw a picture of him, like, sitting in a suit with his head shaved, I said, okay, that's it. They've, they've nailed it. And the previews, you know, especially the second one, I got chills. Like, I really did. You know, I think he's going to really bring something to the character. And, and having the amount of time that we're going to have to spend with the character as well, and we're not going to have to share the time with bullseye and electra because they're not going to be in this first season as far as it looks you know i'm excited i want to see him really dig into this character and 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 there's a lot of potential for the future of the mcu as a whole for the kingpin well and and one of the other problems that you and i both had with the movie uh from 2003 was the the sort of the lack of daredevil's supporting cast where is he getting his support from he's a man on a mission all alone you know batman is a is a one-man wrecking crew but he has alfred he has robin he has commissioner gordon he has uh, some people that know his secrets some people that don't but they are all support staff and help him in in different parts of his mission where is daredevil's crew netflix is bringing that crew one of the big characters that was added and again a great casting coup i thought the night nurse character as uh, portrayed by rosario dawson yes rosario dawson there we go rosario dawson uh, i think it's great i love her um i feel like she's a character that is definitely got the potential to cross over to all four of these series and then be a part of the defenders as well uh, as their you know as their nurse it's a great character she has a history of kind of taking care of some of these uh these street level heroes whenever they get injured and I'm, i'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it she's also got potential for a lot of crossover material Lots of uh, other casting announcements actually made uh, pretty recently. Six more cast members were announced uh, just a couple of days before we were recording this. But the one that stuck out to me was Matt Gerald from Avatar and Dexter being cast in the role of Melvin Potter. If you're not familiar with the Daredevil character from the comics, that name probably doesn't mean anything to you. It probably won't mean anything to you if I tell you that he's once upon a time been called the Owl or how about Gladiator? That's another name that he's gone by. Those probably don't mean anything to you either. But what you should know is we talked about where does Daredevil get all of those toys? Where does he get the baton? Where does he get the costumes? This is the character that in some versions of the storyline has been uh, a costumer to villains and superheroes alike. Uh, yeah, and they're, they're like a, there's a lot of great potential for him to cross over as well. I mean, where do these characters get these costumes? Where do they get their their toys? I, you know what I'm hoping for at some point? Another character that you wouldn't recognize unless you read the comics, but Stiltman. 
just for the comedic sake of it, at some point in the future, like we got to get a stilt man cameo or reference in there somehow. Well, interestingly, one of the other guys that that got uh, put out in that big release was Rob Morgan. He's been on Person of Interest and uh, he was on Believe as well. He's going to be playing Turk Barrett, a small time criminal in Hell's Kitchen. If you look him up in the comics, one of the things that he has done uh, through his course of uh, of criminal career. He took on the Stiltman moniker at one point. So there oh, is, there really? is, yeah, he wasn't the first, but he was a Stiltman at, at one uh, time. Oh, so there's I, the potential. That makes me even more excited. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and you gotta, you gotta believe uh, the, the things that we've heard about this series is that not only will we see the building of Daredevil over the course of these 13 episodes, we're going to see the building of Kingpin too, sort of his rise to prominence and and their positions on opposite ends of the chessboard. I think in that time though, we're going to be introduced to lots of the other denizens of this neighborhood of New York. The big problem or one of the other big problems that you and I talked about with the 2003 movie, some of the over the top effects, the terrible CGI, but, but it wasn't just the bad CGI. It was the idea of having Daredevil jump off the side of a skyscraper and, and then land on his feet at the bottom pretty much, which happens several times in the movie. I think setting this story in the Marvel cinematic universe helps that idea immensely because this daredevil does not have to be a superhuman. We have Thor in this world. We have Iron Man in this world. We have the Incredible Hulk in this world. What we don't have is a guy who just goes out every night and beats the mess out of bad guys. And and it looks to me like they're not going to go the route the movie did with the, the shadow world and the echolocation giving you know perfect pictures it looks like they're actually gonna go more for he's using his sense of smell and they'll use like camera techniques to show what he's honing in on you'll see it but he's he's smelling it or hearing it or whatever they're also going to include the character of stick which again if you're not familiar with daredevil that's the guy who trains him to be the fighter that he becomes he doesn't just stumble into the ability to beat up bad guys he is trained and and honed in that direction by this martial arts master in his own right and in some versions of the comics maybe a uh, a reincarnated uh sage of some sort Stick, I'm so excited about this casting. I'm so excited about that inclusion of of that storyline. And for my money, there's probably no better actor with a a voice that just says, like, I'm here to teach you a lesson than Scott Glenn. He's great. Uh, We've seen a glimpse of a hand ninja in the previews. So these ninja clans are going to be part of this show, and I'm really wondering how they're going to pull that in as well. Basically, what's going to end up being a 13-hour movie, and it's not going to have as many main characters as the two-hour movie that we got. There's going to be a lot of richness, a lot of backstory. I mean, in one day, we're going to have more Daredevil to watch than we have Iron Man. Isn't that an amazing idea? Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I'm taking off work that day. And as soon as it's available on Netflix, I'm I mean I'm sitting down and I'm watching every episode in a row. I'm I'm that excited. About I it. have not asked my my boss for the day off yet, but I am seriously considering it myself. Uh, I'm going to end up watching two or three on on my phone while I'm at work if I don't take the day off. So let's move forward then, and let's start wrapping this thing up. I just want to ask you, and I'm going to tell you mine first. What what I'm looking for here is like the number one thing that you haven't heard yet from the Netflix series that you think might be a possibility for the future, and and you're hopeful for. To me, 
It's one of the characters that I mentioned earlier. It's the Punisher. I think there's a great potential to lay the groundwork even for somebody as as out there as Ghost Rider on Netflix over time. But the Punisher just seems to make so much sense, especially if this first season is going to be about the juxtaposition between the mission of the Kingpin to better his city and the mission of Daredevil to better his city, then why not, again, take that to the next level and juxtapose a character like Daredevil, who is all about justice, bringing people to justice, even outside the law, with a character about like the Punisher, who is about dealing out that exact same justice, but to the ultimate level and with lethal enforcement. And I don't think that's a line that we're going to see Daredevil want to cross on a regular basis. We may see Daredevil kill, but I don't think on a regular basis he's going to be killing bad guys, whereas that's the Punisher's M.O. I bring the gun, I shoot you, you probably don't ever even know I'm there. So what's the what's the big thing that you think could be uh, potential for season two or, or one of these other series or whatever the next batch is that they bring out on Netflix? I think you and I both agree these are going to be big hits, which means whether they get season twos or not, we'll have more, right? Yeah, there'll, there'll definitely be more. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that the Ben Urich character, who's actually going to be uh, in the series as well, um, another one where they're changing the race, but, you know, once again, absolutely doesn't affect the character whatsoever. Uh, they've got a great, great character actor whose name I cannot think of, but, like, when you see this guy, you'll recognize him. He's been in a ton of stuff. He, I think he's got a nice gravitas to him, and I think he'll bring something more to the character. And he's the type of character that uh, in the comic books, he works for the Daily Bugle. Uh, and then eventually he starts his own offshoot paper, uh, I believe. I- I'd like to see him maybe working as an investigative journalist, trying to figure out what's going on. And maybe even be doing it freelance, but then end up with a job at the Daily Bugle uh, at some point in the future. And And he's another character just like Kingpin. Who these characters they can build to go on to be part of other character stories as well and cross them over. Uh, you know, the whole thing with Marvel is it's all connected, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing the connections, I'm looking forward to seeing the potential for future connections. I'm looking forward to any kind of uh, references to you know the Rand Corporation with uh, Danny Rand who is Iron Fist, uh, anything to do with Jessica Jones or Luke Cage, who are coming up in the next series. Like, I'm looking for the connections. That's kind of, like, I'm excited about the story. Obviously, like, I want to see a good Daredevil story. But it's while I'm watching it and those little hints and those little connections to the broader Marvel Universe are what get my inner fanboy just giggly. There you go. I'm with you, Jamie. Couple of giggly fanboys here. Daredevil. It's on Netflix anytime after April 10th, 2015. If you're listening to this after that, then go check it out. Just search for Daredevil on Netflix. You can even add those other shows, by the way, if you're a Netflix subscriber. Search for uh, Jessica Jones. Search for Luke Cage. Search for Iron Fist. Search for The Defenders. And you can go ahead and add them to your queue so that as soon as they show up, you'll have them at the top of your list. Although I'm, I'm pretty sure Netflix will send you an email to let you know that they're available for streaming too. Don't you think, Jamie? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's going to be uh, media all over this. So. All right, man. Tell folks again where they can find you online. Twitter, at Whirlybird Media, and that's probably the best place. <laughs> all right, there you go. Thanks, Jamie, for joining us this week to talk about Daredevil. Oh, thank you. Great discussion about a not-so-great movie. Jamie Whirly there talking about Daredevil, the 2003 film from Mark Stephen Johnson starring Ben Affleck in the title role. Folks, I don't know about you, but I am excited about some Netflix Daredevil. It's coming Tomorrow, if you're listening to this on launch date, if not, April 10th was the day to make it available, so it's already out there. Daredevil, 13 episodes of it on Netflix now, so go check it out. Uh, check us out, by the way, every week in iTunes or on Stitcher, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find me and the geek. You can review us if you'd like. That would help us get out to more folks, and we'd appreciate that in iTunes or on Stitcher. And you can also send us an email if you've got a suggestion for a future episode topic or just feedback on one of the episodes that we've already done, uh, write us at me and the geek at teamprocreate.com. Until next week, I'm me. That's Joel Sharpton. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogue's Life. This week's geek was Jamie Worley. We were talking about Daredevil, the 2003 film. And this has been the podcast. One, two, three, four. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the ProCast Network, a ProCreate production. ProCreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at teamprocreate.com. Also, be sure to check out one of our other great shows like Pod on Pod, a weekly review of a different podcast to help you find your new favorite show. Josh and Joel are your hosts as they walk through the wide world of podcasting. From comedy to self-help, Josh and Joel listen to it all so you don't have to. This is the sound of a man who unexpectedly fell into cold water and instinctively is trying to swim hard. This is the sound of the cold water shock, making him gasp uncontrollably and breathe in water until he drowns. Whereas this is the sound of a man who fell into cold water and knows how to survive. You have to fight your instinct to swim and just float until the cold water shock has passed and you can control your breathing. This is a safety message from the RNLI. Float to live. Visit respectthewater.com. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco.